from Billings, Bozeman, and Helena, Montana. This is MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters. It's the Friday before Memorial Day weekend, and we hope your plans involve getting outside. Joining me, Whitney Tani, MCV's Deputy Director and Political Director Jake Brown. And speaking of politics, Montanans have until 8 p.m. on Tuesday, June 2nd to turn in their primary election ballots. There's no postage necessary to mail them in, but if you do that, the state of Montana recommends you mail them no later than May 26th. That's next Tuesday to ensure your ballot gets in on time. After that, you can always drop them off at your local elections office. And if you're still wondering who to vote for, well, Jake Brown is keeping track of MCV's endorsements. That's right, Murph. One of our missions here at MCV is to elect conservation champions to every level of government, and this year is no exception. We've endorsed several candidates before the primary election, many of whom have been on the podcast, and these folks are all going to fight for our public lands and a right and our right to a clean environment. Starting at the top of the ticket, we've endorsed Governor Steve Bullock for the U.S. Senate. This is an important race for our state and for the rest of the nation, and we were beyond excited that Bullock jumped into the race. Fun fact, no other Montana governor has vetoed more anti-environment or anti-public land bills than Governor Bullock. These lands are our heritage. These lands are our birthright. These lands are one of our great equalizers. The size of our checkbook doesn't matter to access our blue ribbon streams, our rivers, and hunt in some of the finest places around the world because we all own them. Next up is uh, Kathleen Williams, who's running for our lone U.S. House seat. Not only does Kathleen have a voting record of standing up for our conservation values, but she also has had a private career in resource and land conservation. Uh, Kathleen has also been running an incredible campaign. I think out of all the candidates who have run for this seat, I think Kathleen has the best shot at taking this seat back for our conservation values. On the state side, we've made the decision to support Rafe Graybill for Montana Attorney General. Uh, Rafe is the chief legal counsel for Governor Bullock and has had the opportunity to fight for our values in court. Like when he challenged the current Attorney General Tim Fox over the controversial Horse Creek Conservation Easement which Rafe won. It was it was the experience of watching my own attorney general, who was supposed to vindicate these values of a clean and healthful environment and the conservation values that are that are, you know, throughout our code and throughout our constitution, um, get in the way and become the the but for cause that prevented those folks from from moving forward and, and dozens of other families like them. He's also running a heck of a campaign. Despite never having run for office, Rafe has outraised the other candidates, has racked up endorsements, a testament to how seriously he's taking this run. We've also endorsed Shane Morgeau for state auditor, where he would also sit on the Montana land board. Shane is a state legislator and a Confederated Salish and Kootenai member who has spent his public service career fighting for everyday Montanans and our conservation values. One of the most important things we should be doing is trying to find ways to um, expand access and ensure that we keep the access that we currently have to our public lands. Shane is a 100% lifetime MCV score as a legislator and will be an incredible addition to the land board. Neither of these candidates have primary opponents, but I think they deserve a mention. We've also endorsed Bryce Bennett for Secretary of State and Melissa Romano for Superintendent of Public Construction. I think it's safe to say that both Bryce and Melissa would be more effective than the current office holders and both would also be great members of the land board as well. Murph, the last race I wanted to mention is for the Public Service Commission, something we've been talking a lot about lately. 
Monica Trinnell, who's been on the podcast, is running for PSC District 4, which is the western part of Montana. The sheer amount of experience and professionalism that Monica Trinnell would bring to that office is staggering. I know the industries that this agency regulates. I know the work that it does, and I can make some real change here. The PSC is in desperate need of someone like Monica, and we're just excited to be on her team. Now, most of the candidates I mentioned have primary opponents, so please get out to vote for these amazing conservation champions. Uh, We cannot protect the things that we care about unless we elect people who understand our values. Thanks, Jake. And to any qualified Montanan listening who may not be registered to vote yet, it's not too late and we can help you out. Just head to our website, mtvoters.org, and click on the Voting in Montana link. You can register to vote at any time before June 2nd and on June 2nd. Whitney, who's on the guest list today? Our guest today is State Representative Chris Pope of Bozeman, who is now running for State Senate. Chris is joining us to shine some light on what the heck is happening at the Public Service Commission and what happened at the Energy and Telecommunications Interim Committee, also known as ETIC, this week. And now to some headlines, beginning with a stop by the campaign of former Vice President Joe Biden, who announced this week that he will revoke the permit of the Keystone XL pipeline if he's elected president. Spokeswoman Steph Feldman announced this week that as president, Biden will, quote, proudly stand in the Roosevelt Room to rescind the permit. And then she added, and again, I'm quoting, denial of science ends on day one of a Biden presidency. Federal Judge Brian Morris last month canceled the permit for the KXL pipeline, saying the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers failed to adequately consider the effects on endangered species, but construction in northeastern Montana is still underway. It's a mess, to say the least. We also want to flag an opportunity for you to make your voice heard on a proposal by the Sabanye Stillwater Mining Company to expand a tailings storage facility at the company's East Boulder Mine, 23 miles south of Big Timber, Montana. The Montana Department of Environmental Quality this week released an environmental assessment of the proposed expansion. The Sabanye Stillwater Mine in the Beartooth Mountains is one of the few locations in the world where platinum and palladium are mined. Both the mine and the state of Montana claim Stillwater will still be able to maintain the water quality in the East Boulder River, manage nitrate levels, and control sediment. But we invite you to check it out for yourself. We've posted the assessment in our show notes, along with a link where you can submit a public comment, and you have until June 15th to do that. The Missoula City Council and County Commission just passed a climate plan that will make sure climate change is being considered when the local governments make decisions around growth and development. This plan was two years in the making and was passed by a rare joint session of the city and county governments. As the state legislature has bucked any responsibility for dealing with climate change, Missoula has really stepped up to make sure they are thinking about climate adaptation and resiliency for their community. I think one of the reasons that local governments are stepping up to address the climate crisis is because many are actually seeing some of those impacts right in their backyards which couldn't be more true for Missoula, where they're expecting to deal with the Clark Fork River flooding again this spring. And the last time the Clark Fork flooded, hundreds of Missoula residents had to evacuate their homes. The impacts of climate change are so real to so many Missoulians, so we applaud the city and county governments for passing this climate plan. We have good news this week because Montana's land board unanimously approved the expansion of the Mount Hagen Wildlife Management Area located near Anaconda. This came at the request of the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks and was also supported by Anaconda's Sportsman Club and Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. 
Funding for the expansion for this project came from Habitat Montana, which earmarks a portion of hunting licenses for access projects, land purchases, and conservation easements, which is very fitting as Mount Hagen is a habitat mecca for elk and someplace I'd like to explore with an elk tag. Thanks, Whitney. Uh, The solar industry is reeling from the economic impacts of coronavirus with almost 65,000 solar workers filing for unemployment since February, according to a report by the Solar Energy Industries Association. The industry is reported to have lost almost five years of job growth, bringing them back to 2014 levels and was requesting to be included in the next federal stimulus package. The job losses associated with coronavirus is compounded by the fading tax credits for solar insulation, but fortunately, the industry's long-term outlook still looks good and could grow by over 63% by 2028, according to the Labor Department. This week, the Energy and Telecommunications Interim Committee of the 66th Montana Legislature met via Zoom for their regularly scheduled meeting, and the legislators dug into what's been really happening at Montana's Public Service Commission. I think it's a really significant public trust issue when it appears that the PSC flips on a document and is not really doing their due diligence and holding, requiring utilities or whomever to submit the appropriate documentation. Everybody knows that pre-approval, you know, pretty much shifts the risk onto consumers. So this is a big deal and it's gonna continue to be a big deal. And, you know, the history on this in terms of the PSC in the last couple of years has been lousy, to put it politely. So because of my frustration and you know, watching this sort of unfold, not having any information, not hearing anything that's really credible about why this happened. Um, I'm just gonna let you know that I am actually gonna file um, an information request. It has nothing to do with the other issues that you're fighting over, you know, with emails or you know, that other, the lawsuit that you're also filed against that request. This is strictly about this decision-making process because it is a big deal to rate papers and it's a big deal to me. So just so you know, that's, that's my next step of it because I don't think, I don't think this, this explanation holds water. It doesn't hold water for me. To learn further about why legislators put the PSC on blast, today's guest is Energy and Telecommunications Interim Committee member and two-term state representative Chris Pope. Chris is a proven business and civic leader advocating for working Montanans and their families and transitioning Montana to a carbon-free future through the advancement of renewable energy. He has hands-on experience in the solar industry and is also the co-founder of the Great Rocky Mountain Toy Company with his wife. Chris is a 100% lifetime champion for us here at MCV and is currently running for Senate District 31 in Bozeman. Thanks so much for being with us today, Chris. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you, Whitney. So what do Montanans need to know about the Energy and Telecommunications Interim Committee? ETIC, uh, we call it, is a uh, committee that's set up at the end of a legislative session. So our session ended in uh, late April uh, 2019. 
And here we are uh, in the interim period. It's about a year and a half in Montana where there is no legislative session, but the committees continue to do the work. And a great deal of the uh, hard work is done uh, by those committees. So we're uh, at this point focused on a range of uh, initiatives having to do with the PSC and um, but also having to do with the uh, reliability and the resiliency of the grid and um, electric vehicles and, and other topics. We also oversee the Public Service Commission as a in statute, the ETIC and the legislature is uh, responsible for that. And so we at this point are all um, uh, working really hard to try and keep this broad portfolio, this broad set of responsibilities uh, lined up so we can focus on them and do good work and then go back to the legislative session with uh, recommendations about how to move the state forward. So some of our listeners might recall the brewing controversy over at the PSC regarding allegedly hacked emails that then heated up to the point where several major papers in Montana have been requesting the records. And now the PSC is trying to sue the newspapers with our taxpayer dollars. But this drama about emails is not why legislators are questioning the PSC about Northwestern Energy and Coal Strip this week. So what's the real story? Well, we as a group in ETIC are responsible for ensuring that the public and ratepayers have uh, a fair representation in a process that's mandated by state statute having to do with a, um, a relationship between our utility and the market. And we've given the utility for, for many, for decades, a monopoly set of of opportunities just as a monopoly to be able to provide power to over 340 customers, electric electricity customers in the state of Montana who are captive. And so the PFC in theory and other agencies are, are responsible for overseeing the public interest to make sure that the ratepayer is not unduly uh, charged, uh, that the costs are in line and that the costs are enough to keep the utility healthy as well. What's happened is that normally there'd be a process of, uh, of a resource plan with, um, you know, a year or two, every two years that plan comes out and a lot of time and energy and, and careful thought is put into that plan. Um, and we just finished that plan last year. All of a sudden out of left field came a, uh, request for the acquisition of of another 185 megawatts significant amount of power out of coal strip our coal producing power plant coal currently on the northwestern energy grid is the most expensive source of power that we have uh, to the point that more increasingly coal is left uh, to the end of the line. In other words, we use less expensive sources of energy, hydro, wind, solar, and even market uh, sources of electricity. And coal is, uh, is put in the mix when it's economically viable to do so. The vast majority of the country is moving away very quickly from coal. And it's been something of a, of a recent development, although in 
since 2010, uh, there have been over 200 coal plants in the United States uh, feathered, shut down. Here in the in Montana, we are uh, we've had a, a sort of a rich history around our carbon fuels industry and coal certainly being at the center of that. But uh, increasingly, it's been apparent that uh, coal strip is going to uh, sort of recede into the background, as it should, economically speaking, and will to, to make room for new technologies that offer a lower cost and also are far more environmentally um, protective. So at this point, um, we see a, a situation in front of our PSC in dealing with this request to acquire more coal capacity by our utility, Northwestern Energy. And it and it uh, initially f somewhat flies in the face of what virtually every utility in our region, Excel down in Colorado, Pacific Core on the West Coast, Puget Sound on the West Coast, Avista, these, these large, very well-run utilities, each and every one of them are moving as quickly as they can away from coal. And here we have our state utility who in, is, which is doing a really good work in many areas, but inexplicably is going against the grain and running hard at a carbon fuel source that frankly is just horrible for the environment. The PSC has last week reversed a decision that they had the week prior that asked for a lot more information. We don't know what the cost of their coal source is. We have no idea what their expenses are going to be or what the power delivered to ratepayers will be. We have no sense. And it's been uh, protected under a, what they call a protective order to, uh, to essentially hide those important pieces of information to make a, a good decision. The PSC has gone along with that, but then requested more information of the utility um, and the utility pushed back and the PSC last week folded four to one. They just rolled and the, the utility is not going to be required to provide any more very essential information to make clear, uh, careful decisions that will last for the next decade or two. And um, many of us are extremely concerned about why the PSC would reverse itself and all of a sudden uh, go down a path that basically is the abandonment of its oversight responsibility for the public and for the ratepayer. And so we need to get to the bottom of it. Well, we're really thankful to have you on the case. Um, what can everyday Montanans do about this? Everyday Montanans um, have, have a full life. <laughs> and, you know, the role of the, the ratepayer and the citizen is to speak out and to engage. And there's a certain amount of education that we all um, are burdened by, but is necessary. In other words, to stay focused uh, on these issues as much as possible. And I, you know, I think it's, it's difficult because the PSC and the legislature, but the PSC first and foremost is meant to be there uh, for all of us, 
to ask the serious questions. They have 30 people on staff, they're economists, they're engineers, they're market folks who know, who understand the energy industry and it is very complicated. Um, so we rely on them. But I think the, the importance for, for the general public and for ratepayers and for all of us citizens is to try and um, have, have a template, have a, have a understand enough about the energy issues that affect us in terms of our, how we get billed every month, but also issues around the environment that we all care about and stay, stay tuned so that when these decisions start coming down and they're pretty, they're kind of gnarly, they're, they're real wonky, that there might be a sense at the public level of what's trying to happen or what's not happening. And, and the broad brush is that the world is pivoting today to a cleaner, less expensive, more reliable, an exciting future of, of a emissions free eventually energy industry. So those of us who are very interested in this will try to continue communicating what we're seeing. And, um, but there will be um, significant oversight on the PSC in this current situation with coal strip and decisions that the utility Northwestern Energy has in front of it to purchase over a billion dollars worth of new power generation. They want to go into natural gas Many of us think that there are less expensive, cleaner technologies that are market ready and uh, that actually beat natural gas in terms of cost to the to the end user. And so we're going to be pushing really hard to try and get the utility to pay more attention to the opportunities in front of us rather than looking in the rearview mirror. It's pretty startling to see what's happening at the PSC. So please keep holding them accountable and fighting for us as ratepayers. How is it best to follow your work and your campaign? And if people want to get involved, what should they do? Listeners can can look onto my uh, web page, popeformontana.com, which has a beginning to the description of the things that I care about and some of the things we've talked about. I'm excited to be sort of trying to deep dive and then simplify stuff for the average um, reader or listener who can then use that information to create that context that I was talking about earlier. That's great. And I totally hear you. This stuff is pretty complicated. So thanks for breaking it down for us today and continuing to protect us ratepayers. Yes. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And um, this is a storyline that's unfolding right in front of us. And these next number of weeks and months are extremely important because we'll make decisions that are going to impact the ratepayer for the next several decades. Heck yes. Thank you so much. We do want to note that the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Montana Conservation Voters, its staff, or its board of directors. And we also want to note that you can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Montana Voters. We're also on YouTube, and this podcast is now available wherever you get your podcasts. At MCV, we are kickstarting the way we communicate with our members. We'll have a newsletter going out in a few weeks with some exciting new announcements, so stay tuned for that. 
And we need to note that MCV is a not-for-profit organization that relies on your generosity to keep our work going. To all of our members and financial partners, thank you. We invite all listeners to head over to mtvoters.org slash donate and to consider giving more if you can, renewing your membership if you need to, or donating to our work for the first time. We would appreciate it. Again, that's mtvoters.org slash donate. Our friends and progressive partners at Big Sky 55 Plus have also gotten fed up with Senator Steve Daines avoiding his constituents and are taking their questions public via video messages. So, for today's final word, we leave you with a clip and a question to our junior senator, who, as a reminder, is supposed to be representing us. If I could ask Senator Daines a question, it would be this. While back, you promised full and permanent funding for public lands via the Land and Water Conservation Fund. So what was the point in signing the letter asking the Interior Department to stop collecting the royalty payments needed to fund it? Mm-hmm.